Today, we'll get into the results of the first matchup of the season. We'll take a look at injuries and streamers, and we'll discuss what to do with struggling players. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. This is Fastball Fantasy Baseball with Taylor Tarter and Matt Kirk. Let's get into it. So I wanted to start today. We got a bunch of uh, listener questions, Twitter, Twitter questions. And if you have questions, you can tweet at me at Taylor Tarter. You can tweet at the podcast at Fastball Pod uh, and both DMs are open. So uh, shoot us, shoot us a, a message here. And so Dixon asked, would you drop Yaz for Taylor Ward in a 12 team five by five categories league? So I want to get your take here, Matt. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I found those these guys to be pretty similar. Uh, but after looking at some of the numbers, uh, I'd be rolling with Yaz over Ward here. And basically, looking at since 2021, um, they have the same walk rate, the same K rate, the same fly ball to home run percentage. Uh, but Yaz actually has a 7% higher rate of fly balls. Uh, so he's put the ball into the air more often and thus converting more of those into home runs. Um, uh, and he also has a lower Babbitt. Uh, he's at, he's, his Babbitt was 258 since the start of 2021, uh, whereas Ward is at a middle territory of like 308, I believe. So uh, I, I've always really liked Yaz, so I probably tend to be a little biased in leaning that direction. Um, but I but knowing that the BABIP should come up a little bit more, uh, there's room for Yaz to improve a little bit. Um, additionally, Ward might have some playing time concerns, whereas I feel as if Yaz is – I know he's played in every game so far. So going forward, it will be good to keep your eye on Ward and see what the playing time is like, but um, I would roll with Yaz between those two guys. Yeah, I, th- I think Ward's a little bit more of like a flash in the pan and so I kind of, I lean Yaz for all the same reasons, but it just, Ward just seems like he's on a hot streak to me right now. And once he loses some playing time, you're going to, you're going to lose the value there. Yeah. And then we got a question from the UK from Jake. Uh, he it. asked, do I add Kellenic or Grichuk and drop Grisham or Mountcastle in a head-to-head points league? He didn't mention if it's redraft or, or keeper dynasty, so we'll assume redraft here. Um, and for me, I leaned towards keeping both Grisham and Mountcastle at the time he asked it. Now I might feel a little bit differently about, about Grisham, and, and uh, we'll, we'll end up uh, talking about Grisham more here, but uh, what's what's your take on this? I think of the four players involved in this, uh, Kolenic has the highest ceiling, but he also has the lowest floor. We're still dealing with a guy who's trying to figure things out. Um, but if you, if, you have, if you have the stones, Jake, to tolerate him, uh, and and the the risk versus reward here could uh, really work out for you. Um, but if you're trying to play it more safe, I would prefer. Grichuk next over Grisham and Mountcastle. I love the course effect. Um, and he, he's had a pretty decent showing thus far. Uh, whereas I, I felt like both these guys, Grisham and Mountcastle, were given too much helium going into the season. Um, and it would, it, it would be my preference to roll with the other two guys rather than Grisham and Mountcastle. 
my thought with like keeping Mount Castle is I don't see I don't see Grichuk really giving you all that much more long term. Mm. So to me, it's not I don't feel like I have to drop Mount Castle for either of those guys. And, mm-hmm. and it is a risk picking up Kellenic. Uh, that's another player we're going to talk about later uh, today, you know, but I, I don't, I don't see either of those guys as like necessary ads in place of Mount Castle. Maybe, maybe instead of Grisham though. Mm-hmm. Peter asked about trading Bieber in a dynasty league for Peralta, Adamus and Adele. What do you think there? Uh, it's an interesting scenario because you don't want to be left uh, holding the bag here with with Bieber, uh, but his his value, in my opinion, isn't going to get much lower. Um, we all know that he's lost a little bit of velocity. We had this shortened spring training, even last year going into the season, he, he had a, a tick or two lower than than normal, and he started to build back up as as the season progressed. Um, but his game is really built on control not overpowering hitters. Uh, so for me, uh, I think it's best to hold off on dealing him away because it's just not going to get worse for him. Um, and I only expect it to get better. Uh, but the thing about it is uh, if you believe in Adele or you believe in Peralta, um, they are also basically at the bottom of the barrel in, in, in how we, we view these players at this point. So. Um, if you really are in love with these guys and their ceilings, uh, then, then maybe go ahead and make the deal, but I wouldn't be in favor of it. I think that you should be able to get a whole lot more for Beebs than the players that we've mentioned in, in this, in this section. Yeah. My, my hang up with this is actually a Damis. I, I think you should be getting something more than, than him. Like I think Peralta and Adele are a good starting point, but mm. I'd want another kind of significant piece in there uh, in, yeah. in place of Adamus. So uh, we got one more here. Go ahead, Matt. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, is, is, this, is this question asked for you're trading Bieber for all three of those players? Yeah, you're trading Bieber away to get all three of those guys. Mm, that's really good. <laughs> uh, I, I might actually have to do that deal. Because I thought this was a one one for one deal, but this is all three of them. Yeah, it depends also on your league. If you're trading for the future uh, and you're picking up Adele and you've got Peralta, I, I actually I would do the deal if it's if it's for long term. If it's just for this season, I wouldn't do the deal. And then we got one more question here. Uh, I don't know what this dude's name is. It's Ko on Twitter, but then his handle has the name Howard in it, so. KO slash Howard, here you go. He asked about trading away Trey Turner and Chris Bryant to get Machado and Bichette. And I think you and I are kind of in the same mindset here. Trey is the best player in the deal. He's going to be one of the, uh, like a top five player in baseball this year, maybe the top player in, in, in fantasy baseball. So to me, it's hold on to what you got. It's not, yeah. it's not enough of an upgrade for me. Yeah, in a redraft, I wouldn't make this move uh, because the difference between Machado and KB isn't so drastic. Uh, with that said, there's an argument to do the swap in a keeper dynasty league because Bichette is nearly five years younger than Trey. Uh, and I, it wouldn't be 
crazy to say that Bichette is basically future Trey, in my opinion, um, just with less stolen bags. Um, so I would do the deal for long term. I do like Machado a little bit more than Chris Bryant, but for a redraft, I wouldn't do it. I hope that helped everybody. Feel free to send your questions to us on Twitter at Taylor Tarter, T-A-R-T-E-R, or at Fastball Pod, DM us, and we will respond. All right, let's take a look at who had the great, the best first matchup of the fantasy season. Chicago outfielder Seiya Suzuki had an incredible start to the season. Nine runs, four home runs, 11 RBI. He's batting 429. I kind of like, I was struggling to pick between a few uh, people here, Crone, Arenado, Jose Ramirez, they all did really well. And, you know, we've, we've talked about them before. The, they're all like very good players, right? Maybe Crone is kind of on the outskirts here. He's interesting. Uh, but Arenado and Ramirez, you know, everybody knows about them. So I want to talk about Suzuki here. One of the incredible things to me is a 23% walk rate and a 23% strikeout rate so far. And his BABIP right now is super high. And to me, it's high because four of his 28 at-bats have resulted in home runs, right? And BABIP is based on balls in play. And so his BABIP is still super high because he has only put, I think, like 12 or so balls in play, right? He is... It, with those hits, he's crushing the ball. 30% barrel rate, 50% hard hit rate. <laughs> uh, now, what's unsustainable to me is the 60% fly ball rate. That is way too high. And uh, 5% line drive rate is way too low. And the 33% home run to fly ball rate, that to me is a little bit unsustainable. The only players... so. You would be talking about Shohei Otani, Fernando Tatis. Those are the guys that are in that high 20s, 30% home run to fly ball rate range. He might be them, mm-hmm. right? But he also might not be. It's like super rare to see that. Uh, some great p- pluses. He only has an 11% chase rate, 11.7% chase rate. That's unbelievable. That's the best in baseball right now. And he has an 80% contact rate and a 5.7% swinging strike rate, which is just all that is nuts. Like he's clearly a a disciplined hitter. And so you're going to have a really high floor with average. Obviously it's going to dip once the BABIP comes down Um, that regresses a little bit. The average is going to regress, but man, does he look awesome so far to start the season. And then uh, San Diego starting pitcher Sean Manaya, 19 innings pitched so far, three earned runs, five walks, 19 strikeouts, three quality starts across three starts so far with a 142 ERA and a .79 whip. He's the only player that has three starts with three quality starts, and he's one of eight pitchers with two or more quality starts. The other pitchers that have two quality starts right now, Montes, Musgrove, Darvish, Webb, Manoa, Bassett, all kind of like, yeah, of course, 
Brad Keller is the other one. <laughs> For me, what I'm looking at with Shamanaya, he is pitching into some luck. He has a 192 BABIP, which for pitchers, lower BABIP is unlucky. Is they're getting lucky? Higher BABIP is they're getting unlucky. He has a 5.6% home run to fly ball rate, which is about half of league average. So you figure as the BABIP rises a little bit, the home run to fly ball rate rises a little bit, the ERA is going to rise, but uh, you know, probably not too much. He could be a really good sell high guy right now, but I probably am going to hang on to him if I have him. I think he's a great sell high guy too. Uh, his, we keep hearing about pitchers and if their velocity has changed from last year, some guys are up, some guys are down. Uh, Manea is the same. Uh, so he's literally just pitching the same way he's always pitched. Um, he's, I think he's just, you know, getting lucky with the BABIP, as you mentioned. Um, perfect sell high candidate. I, I, I think there's a lot of panicked owners out there uh, about their pitching staffs. Uh, and you could probably clean up pretty well with, with tossing out Manea there. Um, I know you said that we've already spoken about Jose Ramirez enough, but uh, I got to give, got to give my guys just do. He signed a long-term extension to stay home at a discount because he just doesn't care about money. Um, and he was named American league player of the week. He had 11 hits. He had two doubles. He had one triple, two home runs. Uh, it wasn't just like one great game either that carried him. Uh, it was pure domination entirely through a seven day, six game stretch. Uh, and actually inexplicably, the guardians are just mashing the ball. Uh, and nobody had that on their, on their board no. going into the season. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you saw this, this, if you aren't following Jose Ramirez on Twitter, you need to follow Jose Ramirez on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this, but when he signed the deal, he posted, you know, the scene from, uh, what's it called? Oh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, the scene from Wolf of Wall Street, when Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio is about to leave, right, he's about to like, uh, you know, stop, because he's been told he needs to stop. And he gets up there. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna retire. And then all of a sudden, he like changes his mind. And he's like, I'm staying. <laughs> so Jose Ramirez <laughs> posts that scene, but has his face superimposed over DiCaprio's face and all these players and and like the manager are Frank you know Francona all their faces are superimposed over the the people out in the office that it is, is so cool it is incredible you have to go see it it's so uh, so funny I'm so sad I haven't seen this yet I I kind of want to just just stop the podcast and go watch it. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I will do that later. All right. We got to cover a few important injuries here. Uh, so let's get into that. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. So kind of rapid fire a little bit real, uh, a little bit here real quick. Atlanta outfielder Ronald Acuna, he's starting rehab this week and is playing in the outfield in those rehab games, which is, uh, very uh, important. Uh, mm -hmm. Baltimore's starting pitcher, John Means. This is a weird situation. I don't know if you've been following this, but he was pulled from a game and the news at first was forearm tightness. And then almost immediately he gets put on the 60 day IL, which is very strange. Usually you get put on the 10 day IL, 
it gets reported they're going through like testing and stuff and then they they get put on the 60-day il he got put on the 60-day right away mm. the news is they're looking for a second opinion so i'm wondering if this is something bad with his shoulders something you know does is he gonna have tommy john you know what what in, what is going on here this probably means that Tyler Wells gets some starting opportunities. He's an interesting name for the Orioles here. I also wonder if this is going to be a DL Hall or Grayson Rodriguez opportunity because that pitching staff is super, super thin already. Mm-hmm. Uh, White Sox starting pitcher Lucas Giolito should be back on Sunday. Cincinnati second baseman Jonathan India, he's been out with a hamstring issue. He, the news on him is that he's probably not starting until at least Friday, hopefully avoiding an IL stint, but playing accordingly there. And then Cincinnati reliever Lucas Sims should be back on Friday. And that bullpen is really like, I feel like they don't have the guy and I feel like Lucas Mm -hmm. Sims could be the guy there. So that kind of interests me. That's a situation I would be watching. I might not add him right away but I would definitely put him on like my watch list for sure. Mm -hmm. Houston second baseman, Jose Altuve just got put on the 10 day IL with the hamstring issue. Ryan Presley is out with a knee injury. And I'm curious to get your take on this Uh, between Stanek and Naris, you know, we're assuming those guys are going to get the, the save ops. Who are you going to spend your fab budget on? Who are you going to gonna lean towards there? I think it should be Stanek, but it's going to be Naris because it doesn't make sense. And he's uh, he's just going to make you rip your hair out. Uh, I would want anything to do with Naris uh, in owning him. Um, but I, I would – I do think he's going to end up with the opportunities. Uh, and then he'll blow a few, and then Stanek will get one, and then Presley will come back off the IL. So uh, I wouldn't spend a lot of fab on anybody here. Uh, and if I spent anything, it would be on Stanek. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with this. Naris, I think Dusty will lean to him because he has like closer experience, mm-hmm. but I don't think he, I don't think he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dodgers starting pitcher, Andrew Heaney off to a great start, but put on the 10 day IL today because of shoulder inflammation very strange. I'm curious to see who they go to in their rotation uh, to replace them. So many options. I wonder, maybe is it Mitch White time, perhaps? Maybe, yeah. Uh, you know, they they have a very deep pool of prospects to, to pull from, so I'd be watching there. Minnesota outfielder Byron Buxton, he's still in and out of the lineup with knee issues. And Minnesota starting pitcher Sonny Gray is on the 10-day IL with hamstring injury. San Francisco starting pitcher Alex Cobb just hit the IL with a groin strain. And then we've got a bunch of people on the COVID list, Oakland players, Mets players, Cleveland players, including Owen Miller and Cal Quantrill were on the COVID list. And now we saw our first group of people missing games in Toronto because of being unvaccinated. So Tyler Houck missed a game. He missed a start uh, because of because of that. And this this is going to be like a serious thing that you have to watch for this year. Mm-hmm. 
So with lots of like second basemen, starting pitchers, outfielders out, I thought it'd be good to kind of like talk about who you would be looking for to replace some of these guys. If, if you're, if you've got, you know, if you've got uh, Giolito or Altuve or Heaney, guys like that out on uh, the IL, who would you be looking for to replace them? And for pitching, one of my favorite names right now, Nestor Cortez from the Yankees. Yeah. Really cheap ad out there in a lot of leagues. I think he's a great uh, ad potentially long-term for the season, but uh, definitely short-term. Justin Steele for the Cubs, I think is also a great ad. He has a couple good matchups this week. And next, um, Madison Bumgarner. Really good matchups this week. We'll talk about some of these guys as streamers, but my thing, if I have one of these pitchers, like I have Haney in a league, I have Cobb in, in a league, I'm just streaming that spot. Mm. I think it's easy yeah. enough to, I think it's easy enough just to like, if I have a pitcher or two out, I'm just going to stream. Yeah. We're so early in the season that we, we have an opportunity to kind of pounce on guys that even if they're coming off bad starts, uh, you know, th this revolving uh, roster spot that you, you could, you could use it as research. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's kind of, that's kind of part of the fun of fantasy, right? Uh, you, you're, you're not too upset to see these injuries because you know, maybe you're thinking about dropping somebody on your squad uh, and you've been wrestling with it. And now that you have an injury, you don't have to drop that guy anymore. You can move to the IL and, and, and figure out who, who you really want in there. So don't hesitate to fill up the spot uh, with, with some flyers here uh, and see what happens. And I've been kind of like scouring the waiver wire here for second base, and it is super thin, especially in like 12, 12 teamers. It's a very, very thin right now. So if you're looking for second base, like if you had to put out Tuve on the IL this week, uh, good luck. Um, <laughs> I, I would maybe look at Luis Arias from Minnesota. He's out there in a lot of leagues. He's not going to give you power, but he'll help kind of buoy the average. He'll give you, he'll give you something that Altuve would have given you. And then Baltimore second baseman Jorge Mateo, again, not a guy that's going to give you like a ton of power, but he's playing. He's got positional flexibility as well. He's hitting for average right now. So that might be like a, a hot bat to ride for 10 or 15 days while, while you have like a second baseman on your IL. And then outfield is also surprisingly thin, not, not thin in, in the sense that like you can't like find anybody, but there's not a lot of productive bats out there uh, or a lot of bats that are being productive right now, but two who are uh, that I would look for New York Mets, Brandon Nimmo and San Francisco outfielder, Jock Peterson. Those guys are doing pretty well right now and could, you know, fill the role for a little while. Um, so good luck there. And uh, we'll get into some uh, streamers for the week ahead here. Am I streaming? Am I streaming? So in shallow leagues, Arizona pitcher Madison Bumgarner mentioned earlier, he's got a matchup with Washington on Sunday, uh, the 24th. So, you know, Washington is 
struggling offensively. So I would be like kind of, which is sad for me because I'm a Nats fan. Also, the Phillies are, they have a terrible run differential. They're worse than the Nationals, I think. 12. It's, I think you guys it's are not like going to plan. <laughs> minus 12. Yeah. Um, so targeting Bumgarner against Washington, I think, is a good idea on the 24th. Brad Keller, who we mentioned earlier, two quality starts. He has a good matchup against Seattle on Friday, the 22nd. Uh, New York Yankees pitcher Jamison Tyone has a matchup with Cleveland on Friday, and especially with a couple of guys out on COVID, the COVID list. I think that's a good opportunity there for him and Nestor Cortez for Yankees against Cleveland on Saturday, the 23rd. And Alex Cobb just got put on the IL, so don't start him on Sunday. <laughs> and then in uh, in deeper leagues, these guys should be available across the board here. Maybe Justin Steele might have gotten added a little bit more in the last couple of days, but uh, Cubs pitcher Justin Steele has a great matchup against Pittsburgh on Sunday the 24th. And Pittsburgh is one of those teams that you, you should really be looking for streamers to pitch against them. They, they don't strike out a ton, but they also don't score a ton. Washington pitcher Josh Rogers, I think, is a really interesting, very off-the-radar name who's looked really good so far. He has Arizona on Thursday the 20, 21st. And then any Seattle pitchers that are out there, I would be trying to scoop them up. They look awesome this year. And so what I did and, and I posted this on Twitter is I'm trying to like figure out who, who to what every year for streaming, I pick like a handful of teams that I'm targeting to the pitchers pitching against these bad teams. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm starting, I'm starting to figure it out this year. So there's teams with, a really bad run differential. Baltimore has a minus 13 run differential. Kansas City, minus 16. Washington, minus 11. Cincy, minus 27. So if you, if you, if there are pitchers going to playing against Cincy away, for sure away, you have to pick them up. Home uh, in Cincinnati, maybe a little bit more risky because of the stadium. Yeah, ballparks with band box. Pitts, Pittsburgh minus six runs, uh, and Arizona minus 25, another really opportunistic, you know, a lot of room for opportunity there. And then you also have teams with a ton of strikeouts. San Diego is striking out a whole bunch. The Angels, Baltimore, right? Again, great, great streaming opportunity against them. Atlanta strikes out a ton. Tampa is striking out a lot, Minnesota, Arizona, Washington, Philly, Oakland, right? So there's a lot to kind of cross-reference there. So that, that's what I would be doing is over the next like couple of weeks, watches that run differential kind of, uh, uh, in, you know, stabilizes increases a little bit. And, and that's going to be your, uh, your way into streaming. So we're going to take a quick break here, but we'll be right back to talk about some early buy low candidates that you should jump on now 
right after a word from our sponsor. I lift things up and put them down. So we talked a little bit about this last week and it's still really early in the fantasy season, but that makes it like almost harder <laughs> to <laughs> with dropping and adding players because you, you just like, you don't know yet. But what we wanted to do was dig a little bit more into early waiver wire decisions. So what we're going to do is kind of address this in two ways. So we'll look at some buy low candidates that you could and should be trying to acquire now. And we'll also look into some players who are struggling and figure, you know, who are we riding out? Who are we dealing and you know which ones are are we um, trying to trying to get? Which ones are we trying to add? And we'll what I what I my thought was is focusing on hitters here because with pitchers you're talking about like 10, 12, 15 innings or less, and mm-hmm. that's not really enough of a uh, that's not enough of the story for me, mm-hmm. right? But hitters have you know 12 games under their you know under their belt they they've been at bat like 40 50 times already so i that's my thought here so uh we'll look into pitching issues once some of that data has stabilized a little bit more so i have a couple buy low uh options here and i want to see if you agree with me dodgers infielder max muncie i think is a great buy low candidate right now 17% 17% walk rate, 15% K rate. So yeah. right away to me, that screams a guy who is getting on base, going to score, not striking out. That's that's what I want to see. But he's got a 143 BABIP and a 139 batting average. So on the surface, a manager might look at that and go, oh man, he has, he has a 139 average. Like I got I to gotta get rid of this guy. His yeah, I would definitely. It looks really ugly for Max Muncy, but let's not forget he was on an MVP tear last year, basically up until August, and uh, he he's not he's not having different approaches in in the box than he was last year. It's almost uh, better than last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know he is. Uh, his expected batting average isn't that great. It's a two thirty seven batting average. But there are some good things here behind what he's doing. 10% barrel rate, 40% hard hit rate. Again, it's early, but those are good early signs that he's not like, he's not, he's hitting the ball pretty hard. Could be better, should be better, but it's a good start. His home run to fly ball rate is 7%, which is super low, 15% lower than his career average. So that's a sign that we're going to see some pro- positive regression to his power. His ground ball rate is higher than usual, and his line drive rate is lower than usual, despite having a 20-degree launch angle. So there's, like, obvious discrepancies there, right? And his plate discipline numbers are really solid. So if if you got a guy in your league who's willing to get rid of Max Muncy, I think this is a great opportunity to, to buy low, um, you know, trade away somebody that you're not so high on maybe if you're loaded on pitching you trade somebody away to acquire max muncie i have max muncie in the league and i will not be trading (laughs) (laughs) 
Another uh, guy I think you can buy low on right now uh, is Houston outfielder Kyle Tucker. And obviously, you know, he's really, really good. Like he's in a lot, in a lot of leagues, he's drafted in the top 20, right? So you're still mm-hmm. probably buying at really high value, but maybe not as high as you would have been buying before the season, right? If you're if you're in a keeper league or dynasty league, right? So mm-hmm. 0.071 Babbitt. If, if the, this is this is one of those things where like if you're listening to the podcast and you you know know about this stuff, if you're a fan graphs pro, right? You're like, oh man, I'm not gonna get rid of him. Yeah, it's only gonna get better from here. Go out and get Kyle Tucker if you've got. Kyle Tucker on an on an owner's team and he is just tired of it. Oh, you gotta step on up and give him give him whatever. Uh, it, there's so many options out there that'll you'll be reaping the benefits to, to acquire Kyle Tucker. I tried in our league. Okay. He wasn't he wasn't having it. <laughs> so I, I did this last year. I did this last year in a keeper league where Kyle Tucker had a slow start uh last season. He was batting like 200 or something and I made an offer and I got him and then he you know he had a low BABIP in that season it's it's the exact same thing 0.071 BABIP but on the on the plus side 10% barrel rate 40% hard hit rate good start solid start he has a 103 batting average but a 304 expected batting average that is the largest difference among qualified hitters by a lot he is uh, what I've noticed was he's pulling the ball a little bit more than usual. And so I'm wondering if he's maybe hitting into the shift a little bit more. Mm. And again, a lot of discrepancies here because he has some of the best plate discipline metrics of his career right now. And obviously it's still early, but the fact that he's being a disciplined hitter and still only has a 103 batting average, right? That's, that's, great a great way to tell that he's going to do better it's a total cheat code to have this this data tell you you know what other people might not understand uh and that's the whole point of the podcast right is to is to come in here we we can tell you things that uh people who don't necessarily pay as much attention to these things might not know so go ahead go get kyle tucker he's 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 a he's a future mvp go get him (laughs) And then one other name that I thought is interesting here as a buy low guy is first baseman Jose Abreu. And he might not be as like obvious here, but he has a 273 BABIP. His career BABIP is 324. And he has a 212 batting average right now with a 322 expected batting average. So he's got a double digit walk rate for the first time in his career. So his plate discipline has improved early this season, 26% barrel rate and a 69% hard hit rate. Nice. Uh, And an 8% homer to fly ball rate. That's 11% lower than his career average. So he's hitting the ball. He's hitting the ball with power, but it's just obviously some bad luck. You know, 8% 8% home run to fly ball rate. That is not, it's, it's so low compared to what he's used to. So those, those, his BABIP is being suppressed because 
the the hits that should be home runs that maybe will would be home runs in like July are not being are you know are not turning into home runs now and they're staying in the park and because they're staying in the park those batted balls drop his babbit right and so it's kind of it's a lot of bad luck to me yeah so just real quick some other buy low candidates or guys that I'd be hanging on to and, and riding out if I have them. Uh, Mitch Haniger, Christian Yelich, Pete Alonzo, um, Max Kepler has a launch angle issue right now. That should get fixed. Harper is, Bryce Harper is hitting way too many line drives right now, and that'll even out. Um, Cronenworth, Luis Robert, Bo Bichette, right? Those, those are guys that are kind of off to a slow start for one reason or another that I wouldn't worry about at all. And then as far as uh, guys that I'm going to deal or sell high, one of my first ones, we talked about him already, Seiya Suzuki, I would be looking to get whatever I could get for him right now. And one of the reasons we talked about earlier is his BABIP is so high, right? He His BABIP is booing his average for sure. And because I think the reason, a big reason why his BABIP is so high is because four of his, four of his hits have, uh, of in 29 at-bats, right, four of his hits have turned into home runs, right, and so only the balls in play are being factored into his BABIP, and I, I just think that it, it's a small sample right now, and that's going to mm-hmm. even out, that's going to drop a bit, and his average is going to start coming down. Um, his line drive rate is only 5%. He's barreling the ball a lot, but I don't see those things as sustainable. And again, that 33% home run to fly ball rate just seems unrealistic to me. Would you Would you sell him high? Would you be trying to like trade him away now, or would you kind of ride it out? I think people are very thirsty for, for Seiya. And I think that there's uh, probably a package out there in everybody's league uh, where you can score more for him than he's really worth. Um, so I would be trying to sell him if I can get the right, the right guy to fill a void in my team that, that exists. Um, but also at the same time, you know, you're not going to kick rocks here if you end up having a roster on the rest of the season. But, yeah, I, I think we're at the height of, say, uh, mania here. Um, and you should capitalize on it. So I want to I want to um, think about this here. Like if I'm looking for if I'm looking for somebody to acquire, um, who let's say like a pitcher, um, what sort of you know, am I look? Are you are you trying to like? You need a pitcher. Are you looking like top twenty pitchers? Do you think that's fair? Like a uh, Frankie Montas, um, I think Tara Gosman. Oh yeah, I would be all that... over. All well, I would be all over Montas and Alcantara for Seiya, for sure. Do you think that's um, asking too much? Like if I have say and, and I'm trying to see what I can get for him, am I, am I asking for too much? If I say, Hey, you know, you need some outfield. I need some pitching. Let's do Suzuki for Montas. You might be asking, 
No, I think Montas works. Um, not to mention, I kind of feel like Montas is going to be on the move sooner rather than later. Um, but I think what I think the goal here would be to find a buy low candidate uh, with to package it with a sell high, say a uh, right. Um, so that would who would we be talking about in terms of buy low pitchers? Off the top of your head, I mean, you probably have Freddie uh, Peralta, uh, Aaron Nola. Um, who else has kind of been Trevor, disappointed? Trevor so Rogers good. is not doing oh, well yeah. right now, but you you figure that's going to even out. Um, Tyler Molly is he's got like a seven ERA right now, but you figure that's going to change. They're going to trade him before the season's over, too. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe maybe something something along those lines. Yeah, and I think the other part of this is we're kind of playing with, you know, house money here. It, it, we're going to have to see him regulate a little bit uh, as the season progresses, uh, but it doesn't seem sustainable what he's doing, right? Yeah, that that's that, and that's exactly what leans me to say, like, all right, let me see what I can get right now. Mm-hmm. Another guy like another guy like that. I feel like uh, you gotta you gotta make the move now. Kansas City outfielder Andrew Benintendi, high BABIP, expected batting average is 120 points lower than his average right now. Really bad launch angle and barrel rate and hard hit rate. Fly ball rate super low. Home run to fly ball rate super high. So that screams regression to me. And so you're not gonna get a ton for him, but I would I would see what I could get. I would shop him mm-hmm. right now to a team that needs outfield help, stolen base help runs, something along those lines. Uh, and then another guy I would shop, Houston outfielder Miles Straw. His expected batting average is 204 versus a 333 batting average. He has a grand total of zero barrels so far, and his hard hit rate <laughs> is under 30%. He has a 50% ground ball rate. His infield hit rate is 20%. And, and that to me is like, you, you can't do that. <laughs> he, he averaged 9% infield hit rate for his career, right? So it's, it's more than twice a, a, what it usually is. So he's, get, he's getting really lucky, right? And that's part of the reason why his expected batting average is 204, right? So he's another guy where like, steals are so it's like the hot it's like the hot thing right now getting steals mm-hmm. so if you're you know if you're feeling pretty good about your steals otherwise and you got miles straw right now oh man i feel like you could get mm-hmm. you could you could get something good for him yeah or you, yeah if you end up having two of these three guys you package them together um and get somebody really good what about uh, some guys we're panicking on? Um, I am worried about Marcus Semyon, <laughs> uh, who I have in a in uh, an important league uh, with you. <laughs> uh, he has a 171 BABIP right now and a 143 average. And you would think like, okay, bad luck. Average is going to go up. His expected batting average is 170. <laughs> and part of the reason is 
He's got a really low barrel rate right now and hard hit rate. They're low for him. Um, not necessarily low, low, but he's also getting very unlucky with power. He has a 60% fly ball rate and zero home runs, but that really isn't as much of an issue to the average as his problems with discipline are. He has a second highest chase rate of his career, 36% chase rate. Highest first pitch strike rate of his career, 65%. Second highest swinging strike rate of his career at 11.8%. And his ex-WOBA is really low too. It's in the, like the low 200s. So a lot of those things I'm really worried about. He, he's a fat cat now. He got paid. He's living in Texas. Uh, he's just having a, he's having a good old time. And uh, I, I'll admit, I was concerned about him going into the season. You know, I, I was worried about yeah, his you transition. Were. He's not he's not hitting in Buffalo anymore or Dunedin, you know, and he doesn't have the same lineup around him. Pitchers can attack him differently because uh, he doesn't have the the guys around him to protect him. Um, uh, it, it it was it was of great concern that he went to to to, to Texas and got paid to me. Um, but we're so early. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I, Obviously, I think the power is going to the power is going to come, um, you know, the fact that he has no home runs right now and a 60 percent fly ball rate that, you know, that's going to change. Yeah, but I am worried about the batting average. Another guy I'm worried about who I also have in the same league is San Diego outfielder Trent Grisham. I actually have him on like multiple teams, uh, which is a problem. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh uh, San Diego first baseman Luke Voigt, they, they both have basically the same issue, which is that neither of them are hitting the ball hard, which I think you don't, it's, you don't expect Grisham to, to crush the ball, but you do expect Voigt to, and both are struggling with strikeouts. Voigt, his contact rate is so bad. It's like 55, 56% overall contact rate. That's so bad for me. He, he's an immediate cut for me. There, there is depth. There are people out there. Frank Schwindel is out there in a million leagues. Go get him, right? I, I'm, I'm cutting Voight right now. Um, and Grisham, I'm giving, I'm giving one more week. <laughs> I'm giving it one more week, and then that's he the, goes. That's that's the way I feel about Voight. Uh, I, I felt so good about drafting him so late uh, that I, the, the one positive here for Voight is he's still walking a ton. Uh, he's already up to 10 walks. Uh, there's a silver lining somehow, some way in this that, that will make me hold on to Voight uh, for probably two more weeks. Uh, but I want to see a little bit more out of him. You know, people start slow sometimes. Um, but uh, I just feel like he's he's got the potential to be a top tier first baseman, uh, and I and I think he deserves a little bit more, longer leash uh, as long as he remains healthy. I think um, I, so I, I think in a points league you have the points league mindset mindset. I think in a points league you you hold them for a little bit more because those walks do matter. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in like a categories league where walks don't count, or a roto league where walks don't count. I don't, I don't know if I can hold him with the, the 
if I'm in a if I'm in a ten team mixed league, oh yeah, he's gone. Uh, I'm 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 working the waiver wire for sure. Ten teams, it, no problem. It it gets a little more hairy, like twelve teams or more. But even still, if it's not a points league, I think I'm looking to see what's out there. Uh, and then Houston second baseman Jose Altuve, who just hit the IL. I'm concerned there. He has a low Babbitt, but still only a 202 expected batting average. Some big issues right now. Terrible hard contact, very low launch angle, 54% ground ball rate. Home run to fly ball rate is higher than his career average, which that like shouldn't be happening with a with a you know a, a bad batting average. And but the problem is, is you can't cut him because you probably spent too high a, a draft capital on him. And there are not a lot of second baseman all waivers. And you kind of get bailed out a little bit right now with the IL spot. So you get him, you give him a little bit extra time to kind of recoup and see like, okay, does, does he improve? But um, I, I would be seeing if somebody would trade me and, and, uh, you know, just kind of, you, you, you can't cut him right now. So yeah. see if you can get literally anything for him or just wait it out. Um, you know, that, that's, that's my take on, uh, on, on Altuve here. And then there's some struggling prospects as well. Some really high touted and a lot of highly drafted prospects, Bobby Witt, is one of them. I am waiting because I think it's just taken him a little bit of time to adjust to major league pitching. He has no home runs, but a 54% fly ball rate. So that's kind of like a point of some positive regression for me. We know he, he can hit and we know he can hit for power. Yeah. So I'm holding there. Well, what about you here? Yeah, I, I in a redraft, you you probably spent some pretty serious draft capital to get him, and you're definitely left wondering what are we doing here. <laughs> uh, but you know, you got to give these guys time to figure it out. Um, I, I think again, we're still so early here uh, that there's no need to cut them. Uh, this jump from AAA to 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 the major leagues is been more difficult for players in, in recent years than normal. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you gotta, you gotta ride it out a little bit more. We, we, we have already seen what he's capable of doing. He's going to have the playing time. Uh, so, you know, which is different from the next couple of guys we're going to talk to, I think. Uh, but you, you keep, you got to keep riding with Bobby Webb. Yeah. And Julio Rodriguez is another struggling prospect. I'm a little more panicky on him. No barrels, high ground ball rate, 55%, zero degree launch angle, which is like, how does, how is that possible? Uh, and if I'm in a redraft league, I think he's probably a cut for me at this point in keeper dynasty. I think you got, you got to wait it out a little bit, maybe shop him around, see what you can get. And I would also be watching what Seattle does with him because if he continues to struggle, he might get sent down to AAA. Um, and, you know, they, they have, they have guys there. They can, uh, 
they can move around. So mm -hmm. what, what about you here with uh, Julio? Yeah, I mean, this is let's just include uh, Kellenic here, too, um, because Kyle Lewis is coming off the IL shortly. So now you got a log jam. Um, and I think it's going to come down to, you know, how these two guys are performing uh, comparatively when Kyle Lewis comes back, because one of these guys, uh, I, and right now I feel I'm leaning more towards just being Julio. Uh, if you, if you just need more at bats and time to work on things, they're going to send him down. Kind of like already went through all this last year. Uh, I think he's going to have a longer leash coming up. Uh, admittedly, he's not been very uh, impressive so far. Um, but yeah, I, I do foresee Julio being sent down. Um, just because let's face it, the, the Mariners want to compete. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and they're, they're in a position to do that. Uh, so th they're going to also probably be able to look at this on the surface and say, Hey, we can be competitive while sending him down uh, and helping out, uh, Rodriguez. But it's a shame because now they're just repeating the same thing that happened last year. with Right. Kelnick. Yeah, and another one is Josh Lowe, who for me, you know, he he wasn't drafted like these other guys were and was a really popular ad over the last week on waivers. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's uh, I would be cutting him in, in a redraft league. He's got a 35% K rate, a ton of soft and medium contact, like 80% soft and medium contact combined. And you likely didn't spend a ton on him. So I, I think, I think he's going to turn it around at some point, but right now I'd be, I'd be looking to see what else is out there, especially, yeah, the especially for a guy that, you, you know, you, you probably didn't spend a, you know, a ton to acquire him. Yeah. I, that, this was the first move uh, that I made when I was able to put Acuna on the IL to start a draft. Uh, at the start of the season. Um, what has been surprising to me is, is uh, the Rays' commitment to actually playing him uh, quite often. I thought that this would be more of a matchup, you know, lefty-righty uh, kind of deal as, as, as the Rays typically do things. Um, but they're letting him play. Um, so it's pretty interesting. He does have the stolen base upside. Uh, we've been over this, I think, last week. So um, I – yeah, I, he'll be my first. As soon as Acuna comes up, I, I think I'll be drop dropping Josh Lowe. But um, unless he wakes up and it's it's time for somebody else to get the axe. Yeah, um, and I, 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 yeah, I think it. I think you need the rest of this week to. I think he has favorable matchups coming up this week as well. So I, I, this, the rest of this week is a telltale sign for Josh Lowe. I wonder if they start platooning him, anyways. You know, over over the next couple of weeks, once they you know after seeing him face more more pitchers, I wonder if they go okay. Like data, the data shows that he's better. You know, against lefties or against righties, and they stick with that. Um, so last one here, Jared Kalanick. I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I don't I'm blame out. you. Uh, you you were at, literally out last year. We had a trade together. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, 181 average versus a 183 expected batting average. He's hit a few home runs, but there's just like way too much soft contact in in his profile. Most of his plate discipline metrics, 
either haven't improved from last year or are actually worse than they were last year. And for a guy like this, you want to see those improvements. Like those should be the things that improve for a young player year to year as they adjust, right? Get better discipline. They're better at the plate, but that's not happening for him. And that worries me a lot. So bye-bye Jared Kelnick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're, out, you're right. I mean, the, the, the devil's in the details here and the data is, uh, it, it's not comforting to those of us who have gone in heavy on, on, on Jared. Um, the, the goal here, the ceiling here in my brain is that he has Kyle Tucker-ness inside of him. Um, but, but the data doesn't show that right now. <laughs> so uh, what I do think is, has been relatively impressive is the fact that he hasn't been on base a whole lot, right? Um, but he has somehow managed to have, uh, let's see, I thought I noticed, oh, he had two stolen bases. So two steals in, 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 in many leagues would be pretty good to have, right? Uh, and for a guy who hasn't been on base that much, that does say a lot. So silver linings, as I've spoken of before, um, man, I'm just trying to milk this for all it's worth. <laughs> A couple other struggling players that I'm waiting on, Kyle Schwarber and Joey Votto, they both have launch angle issues and are a little lower on hard contact than they should be. So I'm, I'm waiting on them. Mookie Betts has zero barrels right now and a low hard hit rate. My, my thought is uh, that's going to change. And he has no home runs right now. And the bat X still projects him for like 30 home runs. So I'm not too worried there. And then Paul Goldschmidt is another guy that doesn't have any home runs yet and is struggling a bit, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry there. Do you disagree with any of those? No, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, these guys are going to be okay in the long run. I think, you know, you just got to give them some time. And a couple other guys really quick here that I would be cutting right away. Brendan Rogers, and Hunter Renfro to me are guys that you drafted relatively high that I think are, are cut candidates. I would like to also take this moment to say uh, that I would like to cut Tyler Russa from the Chicago White Sox and for all <laughs> baseball for what he's doing to Andrew Vaughn. Oh what 100% earned the opportunity to hit baseballs daily in that lineup. And for no reason whatsoever, uh, he has benched Andrew Vaughn. Um, and it doesn't make any sense. And I hate you to another side. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing that he's doing with that lineup makes sense. Ugh, horrible. We'll be covering all the big news in baseball, the best players to drop an ad, streamers, and more. So make sure you subscribe and tune in so you're notified when episodes publish every Wednesday. In the meantime, you can tweet us at FastballPod, reach out to us on Instagram at FastballFantasyBaseball, or email us at FastballFantasyBaseball at gmail.com, and we'll respond, and we might even mention you on the show. Finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating helps move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps us out. And thanks for listening.